0: Convergence is a space designed for university and college students, post-secondary students, and young adults to explore and deepen their faith. It's a space to think, question, doubt, and hopefully, ultimately, to worship. So glad to hear. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to our last Convergence podcast for this year. We're excited about sharing with you April's Convergence, A Spirituality of Wonder, by our very own Logan Johnson. We hope this helps you to see the beauty and wonder of this mysterious thing we call life. Good. Amazing. Awesome. Man, I'm so excited to be here today and it really is such an honor. I feel like this has been the place where so much of my like undergrad has been spent Um, and now I'm like pretty much in my last semester of my undergrad and so much of my, yeah, crazy, um, so much of my like intellectual framework has been formed in this place and honestly has been formed in Convergence and um, so many, so much of like the theological journeys that have gone on, and so many of the new learnings have come largely from this place. And so, uh, being able to share today is just a really big treat, especially because um, I'm talking a little bit about uh, my honors thesis that I've been working on uh, for my philosophy degree. And so, um, if you say that you know your degrees can't coincide with your faith, you're definitely wrong. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different because I am in philosophy, um, and but I've been writing my paper on. Um, it's called, it's titled The Beckoning of Beauty. And so, um, how beauty calls us, um, to pursue, um, heavenly things or calls us into, um, a greater reality than we know right now. And so I've had just so much fun, um, working on this this semester and, um, yeah, it's just very exciting to share it with you. And so, um, before we start, I would just want everyone to close their eyes and to contemplate a moment, uh, where they were in wonder. A moment where they experienced beauty that left you in awe. Think about what it made you feel. How you felt during it. Maybe what it caused you to do after. Or if it caused you to stop doing something. Maybe it brought you peace. Maybe it brought you a picture for your future. Just think about what that moment did for you. Cool. So I want you to hold that with you, um, as just even as I talk, just be thinking about that. Be holding it in your mind. Be thinking about a moment where you experience beauty, or many moments where you experience beauty. Um, and I think that I can't talk you into an experience of beauty. Um, and so obviously there's some there's some part of what I'm doing today that is obviously just um, unable to be accomplished just through words. And so um, I just want to get you started on just a little bit of how I started this project. And so. Basically, I was um, starting this honors uh, this honors thesis wanting to get um, get it, get to a place where I could communicate um, with the world of philosophy uh, in a way that made sense to them but also um, didn't kind of forsake or go against my beliefs and so um, I thought of what better place to start though um, than a place that a bunch of people have accepted and a bunch of people can um, kind of acknowledge is a good starting ground and so much of your much of the Western way of thought and much of the Western way that we see the world is actually um, a lot, largely due to a man named Plato, um, as well as someone uh, called Aristotle. And so, um, I, I figured that you know, being able to start from a place um, where I didn't assume any um, any assumptions about faith, or I didn't assume any assumptions about um, any other uh, you know spiritual thing happening. Um, was a good place to go, and so just being able to look at beauty and being able to analyze it and just take a look into exactly what it was doing to us, how it was affecting us, and how it might you know cause us to um, respond to it or what might happen and so I figured I would look at Plato, um, one of the most foundational thinkers um, of the Western world along with some of the other ancient Greek philosophers so um, Probably many of you don't know as well, but Plato actually was, um, the the philosophy of Plato and the philosophy of Aristotle was actually the stage um, of which Christianity appeared in. All right, so it happened just a little bit before, they were around just a little bit before in like uh, 400 to 300 um, BC, before Christ, or in before the Common Era, and so um, this was actually a large um, a large kind of scope of what the Greek world was at that time, which as many of you know is kind of... Where the gospel really began to flourish, and so um, this is a lot of the layout for what some of the some of the Christians began to take on, and so Plato influenced some of the most influential theologians like uh, Augustine and even some of the most uh, kind of modern thinkers like Descartes as well um, and i 'll stop name dropping philosophers because i 've probably you know already lost a few of you at just this little uh, at this little philosophy talk um, but I say all that just to show. Um, that Plato began to explore something that people thought was true. Um, you know, he was onto something that is stuck around, you know, for 2,000 years, that people have actually held on to that, and much of um, our world has been, uh, our Western world has been founded on thinkers like Plato. So, ideas about the soul, about a heavenly realm uh, that contained the pinnacle of forms, as he called it, such as beauty and goodness and truth. And every time I hear that, I'm like, that sounds a little bit like God, Um, you know, the pinnacle form of beauty and goodness and truth. And so I oftentimes think that Plato was someone who brought people to a place that they were like, this seems right, this seems really good, but I don't fully know how to fill it out. And I think when the Christians came along and they said, oh, you're looking for something that has the ultimate um, beauty, that has ultimate goodness, that has ultimate truth contained in itself, maybe that could be God. And so I think the Christians kind of came into this landscape of this, uh, you know, Greek philosophical world um, and kind of showed them that, hey, maybe there's something, um, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something that you can tap into um, and something that um, actually could really um, be true and actually be worth um, following. And so um, I went into this uh discovery, trying to figure out um, a little bit of, of how this might work for us, of how beauty might interact with us, and how it might affect um, our, our hearts, or our souls, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and the, the, uh, the first picture that um, came to me um, when just thinking about beauty, and, and the thing that has kind of stuck with me all throughout, um, is the picture of A sunset. All right, super cheesy, you know, picture of a sunset. But we're going to talk about it, all right? So all of a sudden, right, a sky just bursts into an array of colors with this beautiful, beautiful display of just, like, insane beauty, just completely random, just, like, it just lights up the sky. And um, it's this just, like, I don't know how long it is, 10, 15-minute window of just pure beauty. And it just causes you to stop and causes you to sit and causes you to just take it in and to just... Just be with it, right? A sunset doesn't, you know, cause you to go and, like, run a marathon or it doesn't go tell you to, like, you know, go do some exceptional thing. It actually just asks you to come and sit and come and be still. And the thing is, the weird thing is about the sunset is that if we were to look at this purely from an evolutionary uh, perspective or only concerned of, like, things of this world, a sunset might be the most irrational thing we could imagine, Right. If you think about a sunset, the cold is coming. It should scream to you, get shelter. You know, a, a, when the sunset is coming, it means that actually you need to be getting home. You need to be getting into cover where you can be warm and safe, and where you know that you will be okay. Also, the sunset should be a marker of like the predators that are coming out. Right. There's going to be ferocious animals that are coming out into the night that you should probably take cover for. The sunset should actually bring fear. It should actually be something that we look at and like scream and like run the other way. Like, oh no, the sun is setting. But instead it causes us to sit and it causes us to just take it in. And so this is kind of where I started with maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something more to um, who we are. Maybe it's not just all material, maybe it's not just all physical, and maybe there's a soul that we might have, or maybe there is a reality to us as humans that um, exists beyond just what we can see around us and, and the impulses that are immediately available and immediately visible to us. And so I want to read Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, I want to say today that the experience, our experience of beauty actually taps into a part of the eternity that has been set in our hearts, that we have been given a glimpse of what the kingdom of God can be like every time we're able to perceive beauty, every time we're able to reach just a little bit closer to a beautiful thing, every time we're able to you know, experience beauty and, and pursue it and chase it and, and desire after it. It's actually a part of the eternity that God has set in our heart. And that when we see beauty, you know, we long to ultimately exist within it. And it causes us to wonder how we might move to it just a little bit more. And now I'm, I am confident that the kingdom of God is a place full of ultimate beauty. That ultimately when we are in heaven, we will find um, unending beauty. That we will be in con- just a constant state of just wonder, um, of awe. And um, I think when we see beauty on this in, in this world, we also have just a little glimpse of God's kingdom. And um, I also think that more um, than just that, more than just us seeing a little glimpse of the kingdom, I think it also changes our minds it also leads us um, to truth and I know that might be an interesting thing but um, I I know one of my favorite religious studies profs and actually some of you heard him say this exact quote uh, for those of you who are at the songs of justice Um, but all throughout university I took a bunch of classes with him and I could I could honestly tell you that it was probably in every single one um, of his classes he made this joke that no one reads academic papers (laughs) That maybe two people read academic papers, you and the person you co-wrote it with. Um, But everyone listens to music. And that was uh, one of my professors, Craig Ginn. And if you want to change someone's mind, you should sing it, not write it. And I actually don't think um, this is just bad epistemology on our part. Epistemology is just uh, ways of coming to belief. So ways that we find knowledge. I don't think it's just bad ways of coming to knowledge, but I think it actually shows something about how we are wired. We are led to believe by beauty, and we're led to change our minds by beauty. This is because there's, a, there's an aspect of beauty that is just true for the way that the world is, that God actually created this world interlaced with beauty on every single corner, in every single little corner, that he has actually infused it with beauty, that, that we actually, when we experience <coughs> beauty, we... Perceive a greater part of the reality of this world. That the reality of this world, the way things are, is not just simple, is not just this surface level um, experience of atoms together. That there is actually something deeper, that there's beauty interlaced in this world. And, you know, God created the world in beauty, and the truths of things um, are beautiful. You know actually, Nietzsche said um, this one quote that said, "Surely there must be ugly truth, mm. and I disagree you know I think that maybe truth is beautiful, that maybe that when we actually come to realize um, the truth of the way that the world is, it's actually deeply, deeply beautiful, that there's actually a part of how things are that God has written into everything that things are beautiful, that when we discover um, beauty, we discover a part of the way that things are. As a part of truth. And when we experience truth, when we discover truth, we're actually moving closer to beauty. That we're actually experiencing a little bit more beauty. And I have seen countless of times in my philosophy classes, the most sound and well thought out proofs um, convince and change no one's mind. <laughs> I have seen, you know, um, you know, proofs that just on every single corner, every single, you know, problem that you could run down, you could go left or right, and and it would bring no problems, and they've already answered that question when you've turned that corner, and you walk out of the class, and nobody has changed their mind. Everyone still believes the same thing, and probably my greatest critique of philosophy professors is that they exist um, in unbelief, that they exist not believing anything at all. And I know that, you know, it's hard to believe when you are looking for certainty. Um, but the last part of the Ecclesiastes in that scripture verse that I, that I read said, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so the world honestly hungers and longs for certainty. I've seen that so clearly in my degree, that certainty is, is an idol that we've placed up, that we always need certainty, that we always need to be completely right about everything. But maybe the way that we can know things fuller is through the parts of eternity which God has set in our heart and through faith which is not fully seen. I think there's a part of knowing that um, can happen through this other part of our soul that isn't always through certainty. But that parts of our soul can know before our mind ever even does. And that through the experience of things that are beautiful, and through the experience of things that are good that actually move us, that move us way deeper than any um, really tight philosophical proof might move us. And I honestly think that this is why Jesus taught in parables. I you know, some of his deepest truths were expressed through the beautiful parable of, you know, a seed in the soil growing into a tree, or of the relationship of a father with a son, or of a stranger helping someone out who should have been their enemy. And I think beauty speaks truth and causes people to know God. I think when we experience beauty, we discover the truth of God. And we discover, um, you know, the reality that he is good and that he is real. And that we find him just a little bit more when we experience beauty. And Psalm 19 puts it so beautifully. And I want you to pay attention to the way that it talks about um, the heavens speaking. It almost seems like the heavens have words. So Psalm 19 verses 1 to 6 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. I have always really loved that scripture. I think it's always been such a beautiful scripture of just what, it, what I experience when I see things like a sunset. It's like declaring that there's something more. It's calling me, it's proclaiming, they pour forth speech night after night. They reveal knowledge. This beautiful picture of the skies, you know, revealing knowledge, revealing something that we can know a little bit deeper through an expression of something beautiful. And I want to I want to focus in on a little bit on this topic of light. I see, you know, God revealed in all forms of beauty and often coupled with light. I know even standing in a church with like stained glass windows, I've been in some amazing churches that, you know, you see light streaming in through stained glass windows. And, you know, I think even in some of our maybe evangelical churches, we try and emulate just a little bit of that with some of the lights that we have. And maybe it's not always the most, uh, you know, authentic or pure, but I think in some way we're reaching towards that, um, that pure light that we know is an expression of beauty, that we're trying to capture just a little bit of that beauty that we experience through light. You know, I think um, natural light is one of the most beautiful things that we can experience, and I I think of you know the sun, I think of the stars, I think of the moon. They're just light, and some of the most beautiful things that I know I perceive, or I can think, I can picture a time uh, sitting beside a stream and a mount, like on a on a mountain, and just like I can see the beams of light just streaming through the branches and just the way that it just like, I don't know, the way that it just beams through. It's just like, man, light is just purely beautiful. And there's also something about how light lets us see everything else that's beautiful, right? That everything that we see that's beautiful has to be illuminated by light. You know, even when I look at, when I think of water, right? The way that light just shines through the water, the way that it gets reflected and it gets shown so beautifully. Oftentimes, I think some of the most beautiful places are by water. Or even the mountains, right? They just stand so tall and they just absorb all that light. They just take it all for themselves, leave massive shadows behind them, but they just absorb all that light. And we just get to see these beautiful mountains just standing above. We see beauty because of light and light itself is also beautiful. And that's why I think I love John 1. And every time throughout the New Testament that it speaks of Jesus as the light of the world or uses analogies of the light. John 1, 1 to 5 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was, God, uh, was with God, which is actually logos, which is a very Greek philosophy term. Uh, word is logos. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So I think as Jesus enters this world and um, as He enters each life a little bit more, I think beauty becomes a little bit more clear and a little bit more vibrant as we, um, as we, you know, as as His as kingdom comes just a little bit more. I think that this picture of God as as Jesus as the light as Him coming and bringing light to us is a beautiful beautiful picture of the beauty that He brings, and I also believe that whenever you know, he enters a heart. I think things become more beautiful everywhere you look, right? That as even as you accept Jesus into your life, as you um, ask him to come into uh, in, into your life, the, the vibrancy of the things around you just, just gets illuminated, that beauty can be enjoyed on such a deeper level that it actually becomes um, transformative for you, that it can actually be an experience that moves us and that brings us a little bit closer to God. And... You know, I think our relationships can become beautiful and whole and complete. Our souls become beautiful to the point where, you know, it's recognizable from other people. You know, I think we instinctively say, oh, that person has like a a beautiful heart or like a beautiful soul. And it doesn't really make sense for us to describe it that way if it weren't for something um, deeper. If it weren't for something that we perceived um, as deeper. So the light of Jesus changes us and causes us to be transformed in every way. And Jesus doesn't just transform us, but he also transforms this whole world through his light, through his beauty. Isaiah 55, and this one's for you, Daniel, um, says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. (laughs) Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. I love that line. I think it's so great. Just this proclaiming this, um, you know, this sign of just um, all the beauty of the world, just proclaiming God's goodness. And I think um, this analogy of light, once again, brings together uh, the concept of beauty so completely. Light illuminates. Light illuminates. And make things clear, helping us see the truth, like I had said before. And light also brings goodness. Now, if you're familiar at all with Plato, there might only be one or two. (laughs) Um, The sun or light actually represents something different in his writings, and it's ultimately the form of the good. And similarly, as beauty can be a pathway to truth, I think beauty is also often a sign of goodness, Things become more beautiful when they they begin to move towards um, their ultimate purpose, which is ultimately goodness. I think of a tree in full blossom. You know, one of the things that I think is a great capture of beauty. You know, the tree in this moment is fully living into its purpose, its end, or once again for philosophy term, its telos, its ultimate end that it's reaching towards. It's beautiful when it's fulfilling its purpose. It's beautiful when it's doing what it meant, doing what it was meant to do. And in this moment, it's you know producing other trees. It's bringing a seed for um, for new life to be experienced all around us. You know, and I think we as people also grow in beauty as we live into our purposes as well. You know, we were made to be good. We were made, um, you know, to be with God. That, you know, sin is actually a diversion from our purpose to live complete whole lives. And we are made to be pure. And as we grow in this way, we also grow in beauty. As we we walk with God a little bit closer, you know, we are made to create like God was made to create. That when we produce art or when we create music, you know, these things contain so much beauty as it's a product of us living into our purpose and a product of us living into our design, what we are made to do, we are made to create. And when you can see you know, this beautiful orchestra that people have put together for long hours of work just purely for the sake of music, or I think of Vincent van Gogh, he created all these beautiful artworks and he never received any praise while he was living. Right, He did it for the sake of art. He did it for the sake of creation for the sake of beauty. And so we are also made to be in relationship. As we grow in love for one another and love for God, we grow in beauty. And this is why others are able to identify something that could be considered beauty in someone, even if not in virtue of their appearance. Right? As we actually are ultimately created for a relationship with one another, that we are designed in a way that... Um, that we thrive, that we're in our purpose when we're in relationship with God and when we're in relationship with each other. We can see that all throughout the Genesis story, that that is, you know, our purpose. We are meant to create. We are meant to be um, in relationship and we're meant to be good. We're meant to walk with God. And, um, you know, I think when we participate in the authentically beautiful, we grow in goodness and expand in virtue in all areas. You know, we gain a, a... greater sense of truth, we gain a a greater sense of beauty, and we gain a a greater sense um, of goodness. And ultimately, our souls are made to perceive goodness and truth and beauty. I truly believe that that is what our souls are oriented for, that we have our souls in order to be able to perceive these things, that this is something that we have that is above, um, you know, every every other animal, every other, you know, thing that, that goes around, right? We have this Um, this difference in us, to be able to perceive beauty. I don't think I've ever seen a dog, you know, just stare up at a sunset and just, well, maybe because their owner told them to sit, right? But never voluntarily, right? They're always from one place to the next to got to get to the next thing. Or, you know, someone uh, write out a moral code. I guess a bird write out a moral code. You don't really have writings, right? We have this unique capacity as humans to be able to perceive um, beauty, to be able to perceive goodness, and to be able to discern and work through truth, that we're actually concerned with truth. That's part of our souls. That's part of our, our um, uh, God-likeness, that we were created in his image. And all three of these things are a way that we um, reach towards um, you know, being like how we were made to be. Um, going into our purpose just a little bit more. And so, our souls are made to perceive this. And, you know, when we allow ourselves to be captivated by those things, when we allow it to capture our minds and and draw us away from ourselves into something bigger, we grow in an awareness of the truth and we also increase in goodness to those around us. I think when we experience beauty, we become more good. You know, and ultimately beauty causes us to see a picture of God in this world just a little more and to see Jesus revealed um, and his kingdom come a little bit more on earth as it is in heaven. It is a value just to perceive beauty that as we just even just sit and as we can just experience it, um, we are shaped and we are molded and we are drawn into Christ we become more um, attached with him, that we, become, uh, that we know him more, that we are more unified with him. And so I'll close with this. Um, Philippians 4, verse 8, just a very simple command. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So God, I just pray that you would, Lord, have us encounter your beauty. Lord, that we would see your beauty in this world. God, that we would take the time to stop and to follow after beauty. Lord, that we would hear um, a call of beauty to just stop working at times. Lord, or to get a new vision for what we are meant to do as we encounter just beauty in your creation. Lord, as we see, Lord, your mountains, Lord, calling out, proclaiming that you are king. Lord, as we see the heavens declaring the glory of of you, God, I just pray that we would be able to stop and pay attention And, Lord, that we would allow it to guide what we think is true. Lord, that as we see beautiful things, God, that we would see, um, Lord, that you are true. And, Lord, as we experience beauty, would we also move towards goodness. And, Lord, just become, um, yeah, Lord, better friends, Lord. Would we become better siblings or children and increase in goodness, Lord. And, God, as we move towards what we are created for, Lord, would we, yeah, grow in beauty ourselves as we reach what you have created us for. So God, we thank you, Lord, that you have decided to put beauty into this world and that we can perceive it and that we can enjoy it and that, um, Lord, we can just sit in it just for the sake of itself. And we thank you, Lord, so much for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) And that's it. That's all, folks. Thanks for catching this episode of the Curtains and tracking with us over the course of this academic year. We'll be back in the fall, so make sure to tune in then. Blessings on you, your summer, your family, and your cows.